The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Talk about today. All right. And, and I can't wait to hear your opinion. I also talked a little bit about digs last Tuesday. And I know you have a totally different opinion from mine and it's fine. But how do you feel? So for the people who agree with you i hope you can give a nice speech today and how do you feel about week two and no dig so far how do you feel about it well what bothers me is everyone saying no digs but no one's saying no gabe no Vaughn, no aj espinosa no Shaq, no tim settle i mean no ed oliver i everyone's just focusing on the fact that digs isn't there but all of those people are also not there for week two so you know, it just gets me a little frustrated that they're all trying to create the drama um, behind Diggs, uh, and and it's working. Um, but it, it to me, that's all it is. It's drama. If if it was a big deal, they would make these all mandatory. I know that it looks like they're not, you know, leading and they're not being a captain and and they're not being a good teammate. But again. All those people I just named have also not been there. And I'm sure I'm probably missing one or two. But, you know, they're all vets at this point. They can, they they understand what the, you know, what OTA, voluntary OTAs are. And I'm going to say it again, voluntary OTAs. They don't require them to be there. And if they, if they felt like it was a big deal, they should make them mandatory. So that's how I feel. But again, you have five, six people who are also not there, but the only people were the only person we're hearing about is Diggs. Yeah, the thing with the others is that they were there at last week, or some of them, like Milan or Manx, they weren't last week, but they are now. So this kind of stuff, and this was the only. And to be honest, Sarah, I wouldn't be even caring about this if if not for all Diggs' actions during the offseason, you know, and right. especially during the Bengals game. Because when you open your arms, your arms to your quarterback, and when you call out your offensive coordinator, I and you have everybody like, okay, this guy cares more than the others, so you should be the one, the first one to arrive in the building. That's why. Well, and- I actually would be a little bit more concerned if he did show up. It's, it would be a change in him. Um, so that would signify either one he is nervous about the, you know, his chemistry with Josh or something, um, his chemistry with the team, or two, he's trying to prove that he's something, a different type of player. And then it would probably talk about, you know, it would probably dredge up 
those talks about a trade or those talks about, you know, him wanting out and he wants to prove that he's, you know, a team player, it, it would change the narrative around him because he hasn't been OTAs in years. So I'm okay with him not being there. I think that in the end, you know, if there's something that's going to, you know, if there's something wrong, you know, if there's something going on, him and Josh are going to talk it out, you know, at mandatory at mandatory minicamp. And then it's obvious, obviously going to be talked about during training camp. They can't get away from each other during training camp because they all have to stay in the dorm rooms at um, St. John Fisher. So I, I just think that we blow it up more than it, it needs to be. And um, I'm not trying to play into it. I don't want the off-season drama. Um, so that's maybe why I'm, pa- I'm so passive about it. I just feel like, you know, let it be. We didn't, you know, we did this last year. We did this year before. He hasn't been, he's literally been, I think, to one OTA that was not not mandatory for one week, not even for the whole OTA. So mm-hmm. I just say let it go. That's me personally, though. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, Jerry doesn't agree. Jerry doesn't yeah. agree with me. Jerry was there. I was here also for yeah. for an episode, and he's he shares the same opinion as me. But definitely, that's a good point that you've made about uh, despite. Uh, him being able to be part of the, the OTAs and trying to showcase his leadership and trying to be more vocal about the way he wants the offense uh, going or the way um, Darcy runs the offense or Josh worked through his reads and things like that, it could have a negative impact. If uh, Just like you said, if he's do- doing this differently from what he has done his entire career and Right. We've seen that what he has done has been good enough. So that's a, I mean, a, a good point. Top five wide receiver. I, 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 I'm just, I would rather be a little upset that Gabe's not there than Gabe needs the work. Diggs doesn't. <laughs> so. no, and, and also, uh, I mean, um, uh, I, I don't think I would trade uh, Stefan Diggs you production can't. on the field for a better behavior off the field, you know, yeah. or better leadership. But, I, it is, this is a trade that doesn't work right. out. It, it doesn't, it, the, that trade-off doesn't work. And, and right now you can't trade his contract. It, yeah. We would lose money to trade him. Like it would cost us money, not only the dead cap, but on top of that, it would, it, it's a negative transaction. It's not happening. So people need to calm down about it. But that's not saying that he doesn't have an issue you know, with either the coaching staff or with, you know, Josh or that, if, if there is something there, it needs to be ironed out, but you don't need to iron it out during, you know, uh, voluntary OTAs, in my opinion, you know, give each other a call or a text and, and hash it out, figure it out. Yeah, no doubt. And still about OTAs this week, uh, obviously always the practice from Tuesdays are available to media and so people can can check a little bit of what's going on. And the linebacker position has been a huge conversation so far since the decision to letting Edmonds go. And by what was reported, and I'm I'm happy to to report that also about Terrell Bernard making some plays this this week. And and how do you feel about those young prospects there, sir? Because a lot of people are really upset and worried about okay we don't have Edmund's size we don't have Edmund's leadership anymore but we 
we listened to coach Bob Babbage this week and he was talking about how important it is to have those matchup linebackers as he put out and right. uh, we have now an option to have another guy in Milano's mode alongside him maybe in Bernard maybe in the rookie Williams how do you feel how what's what are your expectations for this position and who's right. your 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 go-to guy uh, as a prospect right now before we can see who who really wins this battle right so I mean first I'm gonna say Babbage was such a breath of fresh air listening to him talk we want to listen more really um when you get so little from our coaching staff and our front office um he went out there and actually said some stuff that we could take back with us um the biggest thing that he said was our linebackers um you you could have a big prototype linebacker but he plays small versus having a small guy who plays larger than than he looks um I think that that's what people are going to see with Dorian Williams. Um, he's definitely not Edmonds size. You're not going to replace Edmonds. It's just not going to happen. Um, his leadership, you're not going to replace. His style of play, you're not going to replace. But what can be replaced is if we went into another direction. And I think that that's what you know Sean's doing. He, I feel like he's changing the direction that the that the defense is going, and I think he's going to change it up a little bit as more of an attacking defense. We've been a very passive defense the last couple of years. Granted, we've been one of the best defenses in the league. I, I'm not knocking Frazier or the, the way the defense, you know, has been. But I feel like he's going to to change it up a little bit. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, Bernard um, had some some plays. I, I still feel like Dotson, because he's been there longer and he really understands he's more of the vet. I feel like he still has the upper hand a little bit as, you know, to be the starter alongside Milano. Um, But in the end, it's going to be whoever stands up in that leadership role, whoever can communicate, can, can see the defense and, you know, make, you know, make changes as needed because that's what we need from that middle linebacker position. So, you know, I, I, I feel like Dorian Williams will be the starter eventually, um, I love the way he plays and, um, I know him and, um, and Bernard are, are pretty much the same size, same, you know, same, um, you know, uh, 40 That's run, awesome, right? they're, they're very <laughs> much, but they, yeah. they play so different. Um, if you watch both of their, their tapes, they play so different. So I, Dorian Williams plays like he is the size of Edmonds. He hits hard. He attacks the ball. He runs laterally really well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes up. I don't think he'll be the day one starter, um, but I think by the end of the year, we can definitely see that he's going to get a lot of reps. In the end, though, I think between Bernard Williams and Dotson, they're all going to play just as much as each other. So I think that the reps will be you know, pretty, pretty split until they figure out who's the right guy. Yeah, and, and Babich was pretty clear about wanting the Mike linebacker to be the green dot guy, right? In his interview, he was like, look, we hope this guy is the green dot guy who calls the defense and, and, and communicates with his teammates and things like that. So that's why it's so difficult for Williams as a rookie to arrive and, and step into a huge role right. like this. Uh, I believe he can be... Uh, prepared just like Milano was when he arrived and he was like splitting some reps with Raymond Humber back in the day and I believe Williams 
might be ready late in the, the in the year, late in the season, if needed, if nobody can hold down that spot. But I'm really curious to see Bernard there because of his supposed leadership. When we heard about him coming out from college, uh, all the talk was about how Coach Aranda loved him as a leader of the, his right. defense and things like that. So when they talk about the leadership uh, qualities needed to this position in the Bills defense, uh, I, I'm pretty pretty hopeful that Bernard can step into that role and, and do a nice job. Despite, like you said, they play differently and Bernard sometimes looks looks like a safety more than a linebacker sometimes. So it's a little bit concerned. Yeah. And, and, and even though they're the same size, you know, overall, that's the difference. I think Dorian Williams plays like a linebacker. And, you know, in my opinion, Bernard pay, plays almost like that hybrid linebackers, mm -hmm. you know, strong safety. So I am, you know, a lot of people also, um, I know John just mentioned in the um, in the comments about um, Balen Spector. To me, I have between AJ Klein and Balen Spector, you know, there's a potential that one of them doesn't make doesn't make the roster. So it depends yeah. on whether or not we, you know, keep five or if we keep six linebackers. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how many linebackers we keep because there's, you know, a potential that, you know, both of them are on the the cups, you know, cusp, especially if we, um, you know, keep Medikovic because of, you know, special teams. So, yeah, it'll, you know, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, and, and especially if you take into consideration uh, how people started to really love Edmonds in general just during last season or after last season because – before last season, there were a lot of questions about, oh, oh Edmonds doesn't hit play up to his size. Yeah. He he doesn't hit hard enough. He A lot of question marks about Edmonds before last season. Not from everybody, uh, but a lot of people, uh, they weren't as high on, as Ed, on Edmonds as they are right now. And if you could, back in the, before last season, if you could make a choice between having Edmonds and Milano or having two Milanos, I think most of the people would take two Milanos, right? And, yeah. And it's pretty. If you uh, if you if you subtract last year, yes, if you subtract last year. But I honestly, yeah. you know, I I honestly think that people who watch Edmonds um, and really understood what what the defense they were calling, he wasn't going out there and getting you know sacks and stuff like that because that wasn't his position. That wasn't what mm -hmm. they you know what he was supposed to be doing. His leadership, his his play calling, his diagnosing of plays yes it took him a couple of years to get there um yeah. so i think people who really watched him develop loved him all along the other people kind of came on board because they heard so many other people saying how great he was um but then the second you know he goes to the bears now all of a sudden edmonds is you know trash again yeah. so I, I feel like you know it's just it's you know kind of playing into to oliver so i hope with oliver saying he has the year that that Edmonds did, and I hope it continues. You know, I hope that this year, the fifth year, he comes out and goes crazy, so we can all get jump back on board the the Oliver train. You know, so absolutely. So let's talk about Ed Oliver taking uh, this into consideration. Uh, so the guy just was resigned for for four more years, right? Extended uh, for four years, correct? Yeah, and and forty five million guaranteed, sixty. Eight, 68 yeah, yeah 68 four years 68 million yeah. and then 45 guaranteed yep and and how do you feel about this extension because honestly i'm not very happy with it okay i know 
uh, Oliver had his moments and he showcases his potential a lot of the time. But the guy is undersized for his position. He deals with injuries all the time. And I think it's attached to his size. And I don't know. I just don't see. I, I can't see the consistency uh, to keep a guy like that. You know, I'd rather move on and, and draft a defensive tackle really early next year. Get the compensatory pick. Maybe take advantage of a contract season this year. And uh, I don't know. I really don't feel very comfortable with this move. But... If it's combined with another move that makes sense, like if it opens up space to bring up the Andre uh, Hopkins, oh, sign me up, you know. If, <laughs> yeah, if it opens space to bring on uh, Ngakwe or, or or Justin Houston, another pass rusher who can impact, okay, sounds good. You are betting on right now, and and you hope Ed Oliver can step up and and, and keep improving. Right, but. If only this move, I don't feel very confident. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Uh... Well, the the first part that you mentioned about, you know, not re-signing him and getting a, a draft pick next year. Realistically, we have no we have no defensive and tackles at all under contract other than him. So we're gonna have to get somebody, we're gonna have to draft somebody next year anyways. Um, I think the second part of that is with Puna Ford coming on, um, we are very deep now. At, at, at one tackle, so at um, one tech. So he, in my opinion, Puna could play one tech and three tech, um, but we actually have two people solidified in that role. Now Ed can concentrate 100% and be in the three tech. And I think that that's what the Bills are looking at, is that he can be that guy as long as he's staying put where he's supposed to be staying put. So we'll see how it plays out. I can't say I love the fact that we extended him because everyone knows I've been like, like in my opinion, he wasn't even worth the, the $10 million um, that he's playing guaranteed on the, you know, that he was playing guaranteed on this year. So I was like, he needs to be traded. He needs to be traded. Um, at this point in time, I feel like it could be the most brilliant of, you know, deals that they did because they got, you know, they locked him down. He can go out being that we have, you know, pretty much we'll probably have five defensive tackles that we keep on the 53-man roster. You know, Tim Settle's kind of going to be the odd man out. He's he's going to be, you know, the the rotational guy that probably, um, you know, has the least amount of snaps at this point. So I look at it as probably if, if Ed comes out there and does exactly what we expect him to do, what we've wanted him to do over the last, you know, four years, um, then it's a brilliant extension. Um, I kind of was playing with the math this morning, um, and I had posted it to Twitter. Realistically, we'll probably, you know, the signing bonus is anywhere probably from 15 million to 20 million ish. Um, if it's 20 million, then we've probably, um, saved about $5 million this year. So it's not game changing money that's going to go out and sign D hop, but it could be a small part of other things that we do. Um, to, you know, to get a good um, player, we might be able to sign someone like, you know, a Yannick or a Justin Houston or someone, maybe a clowny um, yeah. for one year, $5 million. Maybe they, they take that um, because they still haven't been signed yet. So um, I, I feel like the money is more set for a defensive player. Um, unless over the next couple of days, we see something big happen where we're extending another player 
Um, I've, you know, been talking about extending Micah Hyde, extending Daquan Jones. Um, you know, the, the one person, <laughs> I, will, I, sh- I should say the two people I did not expect us to extend was, um, you know, going, you know, was Ed Oliver or Gabe Davis. Um, I, I think extending Ed Oliver kind of reiterates that we're probably not going to extend um, Gabe Davis, um, not it, unless it's a very low, you know, a, a low um, contract. And I would think like very low, like under 15. Um, so for his second contract to be that low, um, I don't see it happening. So I don't think we'll keep Dave, um, Gabe Davis. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, I probably won't be able to tell you how much I like the Ed Oliver signing until mid-year or maybe not even until the end of the year to see how he really, you know, performed. Um, if he performs really well, it's the best deal ever. If he doesn't, I hope that it's structured in a way where, um, you know, we can get out after year two. Um, but if we get out of it after year two, it's going to still be a pretty hefty uh, dead cap hit. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying year two of the new contract. So that's still three years down yeah. the road. Yeah. And, and John even said here, we still might draft a defensive tackle next year since we only have Ed Oliver now yeah, under contract. Said, yeah. But the thing that changes is when you commit to Ed Oliver, that's your guy at three technique at, as a main pass rusher right. inside. And you might need to look at a, a one technique, a nose tackle type since right. Dick and John is older and, and we have Puna Ford for, for a year now. So it changes the kind of defensive tackle you're looking at. Right. Because if you draft uh, another three technique early, like in the first round, and then you get in the same exactly. kind of trouble that you got before, like oh, Ed's gonna need to play one technique or or the opposite. Right. So yeah. it changes if the we draft, a bit. If we draft someone early, I think it'll be a one tech, not a three tech. Yeah, and 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 I just think I would be happier if Daquan Jones was the one extended. Like uh, we I saw what. They- I think we will extend him one more year. Um, I mean, he has proved nothing but being fantastic. So, um, but I don't think it'll be a a huge extension. I think that we'll get him for one more year because of his age. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe two years, um, you know, they could potentially do a three year with a void year um, so that we have him for two more years. But I still don't think that that rules out us drafting somebody early um, at one tech. So I think that that's, you know, Phillips is, is definitely getting up there in age as well. So we'll we'll need somebody who's going to at least, you know, Puna Ford is a little bit younger, but he's he's going to show why he needs, a you know, a, a higher contract. So I have a feeling it might only be a one-year deal with, with Puna yeah. before he's out of here. Yeah, definitely. And and we saw what our defense looked like with South Daquan Jones versus the Bengals, and it wasn't any good. So uh, we don't know what's happening also. Maybe – uh, Daquan Camp is already having some conversations and they want a, a longer deal when the Bills just won one more year or something like that. And that's why uh, that's the reason they, he isn't uh, extended yet. But right. just like you said, Sarah, to, to get Nuck in, we need to make some more moves. And it's probably not enough, but you have to Davis White, you have, uh, like you said, Micah Hyde possibility, even John Dawkins is a possibility to to restructure yeah to restructure and and so we can add a guy like deandre hopkins and talking about nook the the cycle was fulfilled again because 
just right the first time. Nux says something, and, and, and then Bills Mafia hopes go sky high. And, and I think that's and, I think that's what it is. I think it's it's yeah. I think it's the media and Bills Mafia. I I'm starting to to be back on the it's not going to happen. I honestly think, you know, Hopkins can say he wants to be with a contender. Um, and I, I believe that he believes that. But I think that when when a contender can only offer him a couple of million and a, you know, potential maybe kind of getting there contender can offer you three or four times that. Um, and, you know, this is your last contract. You're gonna take it, even though the, the guy's made it like a hundred million dollars over his career. So, you know, honestly, I think, I think it's, I want, I would want the ring. Um, I would think, but we don't know how he spent his money over the last few years. Maybe he feels like he, you know, needs more. You know, and and sometimes I feel like in professional sports we equate the, you know, the salary, the contract to your stardom. How what how you know yeah, how good you are yeah. so they feel disrespected if they're not getting the money so um you know i don't think it's going to happen uh, i'm i'm kind of past it at this point if it does i will be ecstatic i think that he will automatically make the offense better i i would love it to happen i'm just not expecting it to happen so i'm you know full i'm fully ready to you know have you know digs and davis and you know, obviously Kincaid coming in and, um, and, you know, disrupting what we had last year a little bit. And I think he's going to make the, the offense. I think he already makes the offense better. No doubt. And, and John has a hot take here. Uh, his hot take is about using the cap space that created by extending Ed to extend Gabe Davies also. And, it could it be surprise I, me, you know, because I mean, right now it wouldn't surprise me after after doing it for Ed Oliver. Like, I I I, I joked, I tweeted yesterday that the Bills extended Ed Oliver just to punk me because I have been talking about a trade so much. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I I kind of said that I feel like Gabe Davis. If we have someone like Hopkins. Gabe Davis could be on the hot seat midseason for one of those midseason trades. Um, I'm not going to say any of that anymore because I'm going to I'm going to make it to the point where the Bills do it just because I'm saying that they're going to, you know, that they shouldn't do it. Um, but it it could happen. Um, you know, I love the way Gabe played two years ago, um, and I'm not saying that he played badly last year. But his numbers are skewed. And I've said this, I've tweeted this, I've gotten into arguments with people about it. He had one game with 171 yards. I've talked about it so much. I know exactly how many yards he had. Um, and that if you subtract that from, you know, from his stats, he was, you know, very average uh, as, especially as a number two, he was mostly in line with a lot of number threes. If you look at the Bengals, he was in in line with Tyler Boyd, so um, which is their third, you know, their third wide receiver. So I don't think he should be getting the the money that um, he probably would want as a number two. Um, my biggest concern is they look at him as the future number one. So when they, you know, when Diggs, you know, retires as as he's getting up there in age as well. I, I know he still has quite a few years left. You can tell he still has quite a few years a few years left. That they're you know kind of moving Dave Davis in that 
that spot. I don't think he's he showed that he can go against you know team's second best you know defensive backs. Yeah. If he can't go against them, trying to go against their number ones makes me even more nervous. So maybe he comes out this year and and he he shows us who he was two years ago. I feel like in order to do that though, the Bills needed to sign a another wide receiver that could be used as a two and he would be pushed to, you know, the the third wide receiver or the fourth option. Um, but I think he would have been better in that. I think that he he goes really he go he's a matchup nightmare in in one of those positions. And I feel like they're missing out that um trying to put him in the two, trying to force him in the two. Yeah, I like him. I like him as a and uh, he's really a really good number three wide receiver in my opinion, right? And he showed already he can play inside also, he can play other positions, just not that deep threat role. But there is a reason he's as a wide receiver too, he's used it as a mostly as a deep threat only. Uh people love to hate on Dorsey and say bad things about him, but look, this guy is pretty smart and, and there is a reason he's using Gabe this way. And if you look at the at most of Josh Allen interceptions were through targeting Gabe Davis. It's no, it's there is a reason for that. You know, that's not a guy who separates and and his hands are quite inconsistent. So uh, I'm a, li- a little afraid about counting on Gabe Davis not only as a wide receiver too, Sarah, but we we gotta think about. We've been lucky that Dix has been healthy all his Bills career. And we hope it continues this way. But sometimes people get knocks and start to to, uh-huh. to play injured. And we saw You're making it me nervous. You're making yeah, me we nervous. Saw it Just don't talk, <laughs> <laughs> don't talk we... about it. Don't talk about it. Knock on wood, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, see, I I literally just knocked on wood. I didn't know you understood that that phrase. I'm Italian, yeah. so my oh, my you, grandmother you, used to say it all the same. Knock on wood. I literally just did it. You wouldn't <laughs> want you wouldn't want to watch next Tuesday's leading the chart. I'm gonna talk some Madden curse because I have some information about Josh Allen being uh-huh. the Madden cover for Madden uh-huh. 24. So, but talking about Diggs. We saw that happening to Cole Beasley. He was an all-pro. He was awesome, over 100 receptions. And then he played injured an entire season. And next year, he wasn't a bill anymore. So same thing with John Brown. And obviously, we hope Diggs can play until he's 40 and be awesome. But it's not realistic. And everybody (laughs) struggles with injuries sometimes. And are you confident going to playoff games with Gabe Davis as your number one target? And then you have Deontay Hardy and... Khalil Shakir, and we hope Justin Shorter can make something happening as a rookie. So I think it's a very bad wide receiver group if you don't have Stephon Diggs as your number one, right? And and you hope. I think we're very, I think we're very average without Diggs. Um, Yeah. You know, we can hope that, that Dalton Kincaid comes in and does, you know, something I feel yeah, like, become that nightmare. I, yeah. I feel like he was. can be. I feel like he can be. And I feel like he can be, you know, lined up in the slot and he can end up being, you know, the number two target um, eventually. I don't think that that's going to happen right off the bat. So I think it might not even happen in year one. I think that he'll get his targets. I think he'll get better and better and better. And we'll learn how to use him, hopefully. 
Um, I know you made a comment about Dorsey and how everyone's hard on him. Um, I'm realistic about him. Uh, you know, he went to school at the University of Miami the same time I did. So I have been around him my whole adult life and knowing of him um, when he played as a player. And I followed his career afterwards with him coaching and him becoming the athletic director, um, mm -hmm. assistant athletic director um, for FIU and everything else. So I have really watched him over the years and paid attention. He, and, and I've said it before, and people are probably saying I've said it ad nauseum at this point. He <laughs> has a brilliant football mind. And I've watched several interviews with, with players that have said it was almost too complicated of, of an offense, whether or not we want to believe that, you know? So when people like, like Hines came in mid season, mm -hmm. it was too much to learn to be really effective mid season. So like with the whole off season and, and everyone really getting it, you know, getting, you know, the playbook under their, their belt. And I'm, I'm hoping things change. And he has one year now where I, I, he might not question every play he's calling. Like, oh, if I call this, is someone going to, you know, have a fit? Or if I call this, am I going to be throwing my headset again because I'm, you know, ticked off on live television? I think that he might have overthought things over and over again because he's brand new at the, you know, at, at that spot. It's not even brand new, and I've said this again, you know, over and over again. He's not even brand new um, for the Bills as offensive coordinator. He's never done it before, never mm -hmm. in, in college, never in the pros. He was hired as the offensive coordinator um, for um, a, a college team and then ended up getting brought over to the NFL for the Bills to be the um, the, the quarterback coach. So, um, but like I said, one thing we've – I've known about him and everyone's talked about for the last 20 years is how 20 plus years is how much of a football mind he has. So I'm hoping he puts it all together. Um, I think that he's on a short leash. So, so the part of me that I'm high on him, but I'm also realistic. We are not going to waste more than one more year of Josh Allen's career on being unsure. So I look back to when um, when Dayball was here in 2019. I, I, I have tweets. Everyone was fire Dayball, fire Dayball, fire Dayball. Mm -hmm. He's not inventive enough. All we do is run the ball, you know, on on first down, pass on second down, run on third. It's it's the same thing every you know every time. Um, to the next year in 2020, him figuring out something, and Josh Allen had, in my opinion. He should have been the MVP in 2020. Um, the kind of season he had uh, was amazing. So I hope that he, that Dorsey figures it out. And I hope that, um, you know, in the end, you know, Kincaid can get in there. Um, Gabe Davis goes back to the way he was in 2021. Um, but I still think I would have liked another wide receiver, but I'm okay with the wide receiver group provided Dick stays healthy. So, yes, yeah. there's there's that caveat there, but I do feel like right now edge rusher is more important um, because, you know, we don't know when Vaughn's coming back. I know he says he's going to be back in week one, but if he's not, we need somebody else. I, I believe in that position. Um, and again, if someone gets injured, uh, I don't want to say it, 
Um, We want to have another impact player because we all saw when Vaughn went down last year, how different the defense became. Um, We, we were, I don't want to say terrible, but we were definitely a different defense once he had. If you can beat the the third stringer Bengals right tackle, the pass rusher has been, was terrible for sure. Uh, And the thing with Dable, it's very much, the same thing that uh, we talked about Edmonds, because people love to say five Dable and he isn't good enough and things like that. But we, when he left, we just saw the the maximum uh, performance from his offense, right? That playoff run uh, ended in the, the, the 13 seconds. Uh, we saw the offense playing the best possible football right. with the perfect game versus the Patriots and then uh, winning the game twice against the Chiefs to see the defense let them down. So... Uh, and then Dorsey comes in, need, uh, having to step into those huge shoes, and 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 I think he did well. If we take both both offenses, uh, they are pretty similar in rankings and numbers, and even with some additions that I loved, like Dorsey early in the year, he was moving Diggs around and going right at Diggs in the beginning of games, and we saw it changing afterwards when there was some conversation about oh Knox is not getting involved enough. And then they started to feature Knox in the beginning instead of Diggs. And, and it might even cause uh, what we saw from Diggs late right. in the season when we lost games. So, but I love Dorsey. I'm excited to see his year two. And, and I believe he has, the, he has the weapons now. All right. Uh, he has, uh, like you said, if Diggs stays healthy, I think our group is good. And... And when I say it's terrible without Diggs, because I mean, right. maybe Gabe Diggs is two steps ahead of where he's best suited to. He's best suited to be an elite third wide receiver and he would be counted as a number one. Then uh, even, uh, forgot his name now. I don't even guy. know. Pardon. Yeah, I don't even know if, honestly, if Gabe would ever become the number one. I feel like if, Diggs, if something did happen to Diggs, I think that we would rely a lot, a lot more on Kincaid, and we would lot, rely a lot more on um, uh, um, Shakir. So I, I don't, I, I don't think too much would would change in the the way things were would line up. Um, you know, I think that, in my opinion, if you're talking about target share, like you know, who would be the number one? You know, who's getting the most targets? I think we would have to change the offense quite a bit if um, if Diggs went out because um, I am not a fan of seeing um, at this point in time a Davis get 12, 12 to fourteen targets and only catching you know thirty five to to even you know forty five percent of those. Um, it's not enough. Not not at num- the number one spot. But I feel like as the season went on last year, we went from doing a lot of the short routes um and you know short catches with you know the yards after catch to all of a sudden just airing it out airing it out well when you don't catch those balls your you know your chances of um of scoring ends up going down 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 so i feel like we relied too much on the long ball and um i think davis that's where he excels um you know you know as you know the the vertical threat I feel like we need to concentrate a little bit more on getting Hardy um, involved. I think Hardy's going to be very good also as a vertical threat, but he's also going to be that like shifty gadget player. Um, 
I think the one person that's going to be a little hard trying to figure out if he even sees the, the um, is uh, Shearfield. He might not see the field other than on special teams. So, um, you know, let's just pray, hope, pray that, that Diggs stays healthy. Yeah, but that's the reason I really I really believe if you can get Nuck in, you you got to do that. You know, you got to do that because uh, people have been sleeping on him. Like, oh, he's older than 30 right now. And the guy put up numbers that were similar to his biggest years in the league. Like, in if you take into consideration the, the quarterback play he was dealing with and being out with the suspension and he got and he still put up huge numbers. I don't care if he, he can stretch the field uh, like he could in the past. He used or, to, right. We, we, I think that I'm okay with... Yeah, I'm okay with grabbing him. Of course, I think it would be um, a, a definite plus. But my, I, I feel like my my maximum is 15 to 16 million. Um, if they could figure out how to bring him on for an average of 15 to 16 million a year, um, then it's a good deal. It's it's a value, and um, I feel like he can perform to that. Um, obviously, you know, you have, you have some wide receivers now making anywhere from 25 to 30. So, um, if we can get him basically for around the same amount that Baltimore got OBJ, I am completely, I would be completely satisfied with that. And, you know, let's see how, how it works out. But I, you know, there's also going to be opportunities as I, I, I believe as this, um, summer wears on. And then we get into um, camp and then we get into preseason that there is going to be another release or two or trade talks with some of these wide receiver deep teams that, you know, maybe somebody else uh, piques our interest. And maybe that's why um, Bean is not ready to, you know, really pull the, um, you know, pull the trigger. My only concern is whoever we get missing out on those reps during training camp. So I hope that whoever, we, if we do, if we do get another wide receiver, it is before camp. Yeah. We got Marcel Aitman this week. Okay. So, but that's not the guy who's, yeah. who's the middle <laughs> for us, unfortunately. Yeah, he'll, so. he'll, he'll definitely be cut and probably put on, you know, practice. He might be one of those people that can be put on practice squad, but we have, six or seven guys I think that will be um that will end up being cut and you know we'll probably keep two maybe three of them on practice squad yeah the guy that I'm really curious about is uh, is Hardy and people uh spin a uh, shout out to spin he's always here and he's saying Hardy's is lot but Hardy has played outside too he has the speed to stretch the field we saw in the Carolina Panthers offense that Shula was part of and the guys were there in the past, when McDermott was their defensive coordinator, they have Ted Ginn Jr., who wasn't uh, successful until that point, and he was a big part of that offense, stretching the field and having Ken throwing those bombs to, to him, and Hardy can do that. But that's a guy who struggled to being healthy. If he, if he can stay healthy, I think he can be a nice piece to work with. I'm just afraid about the thing that I've talked to. If we, for some reason, have Diggs struggling with some nagging injury or something, if you have Hopkins, you are kind of okay. Let him recover and be ready for playoffs. Hopkins can can be your number one until Diggs is ready. And the opposite is true also. Oh, Hopkins is struggling with some injuries. Okay, get him ready for the playoffs. But but without with 
uh, only digs, it's a little bit dangerous. And, and I don't know, if you can add Hopkins, I, I think you must do that, especially with this add Oliver extension to open up some cap, some cap space. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer, in my opinion, adding a guy like that. Uh, I still think offense, it's going to be... I think it's going to be for defense. I think it's going to be for an, an edge rusher. Yeah. My, my opinion. But. but the thing with defensive end that makes me mad is the resources were spent there. So I, I better see Epeleza, Boogie, those guys stepping up because they need to. You know, the, the resources were spent there. So we got to get those guys playing at a nice level and they haven't yeah. so far. So One of them... Both- one of them could be trade bait, though. Um, yeah. We do we do that a lot um, after um, after training camp or after um, after preseason. Well, you know, we move one or two players um, for more for more you know draft capital um, every year. It seems like so. Um, I think they're good enough. I mean, Espinosa on paper looked great when you look at his his sack production last year. Um, you know, for as much as he played which wasn't, you know, the numbers weren't a lot. His, his sack production was up there. Um, but I, I feel that I still feel like he's, he tends to be a liability when he's on, on the field for other things. If all he's supposed to do is go out there and, and rush the passer. Yeah, um, guy, right? yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt with him also. And all this, uh, how he, he's been true his entire career, changing weight, slimming down and booking right. up again. And well, just, yeah, we we moved him, you know, yeah. and that's that's the thing. Um, you know, I joked, um, I, it started out as a joke of why not move Ed Oliver to the outside, mm-hmm. um, you know, with all of these um, defensive tackles that we have. He's not big enough on the inside. But in the end, you know, a lot of people have brought up it's because we've moved him to one tech a lot and – if he could stay at three tech, he's better suited for that. And so I'm, I'll be interested to see, I, you know, I've also been told Ed's arms aren't long enough to be on the edge. Um, but, you know, it just depends on what you, you know, what you look at. There's times where I think it would be very, very interesting to, to, to change it up. Um, really confuse the offense of what we're doing in that moment. Um, so we'll see, you know, what, what McDermott has in, in store for him this year. So. Yeah, and and the thing with Ed is the expectations were crazy high. When people start to talk, you're the new Aaron Donald. Everybody want to see a lot of sacks and things like that. And, and I can see the flashes, but the consistency hasn't been there. And my, my I'm a little bit afraid with Kincaid suffering from the same thing because everybody's like, oh, he's our new Kelsey. He's going to be right. here in the middle of the field. But it takes time. Who's the last tight end who came into the league and really played like a superstar since day one it's been a right. while now. well you know and pitts did come into atlanta and and he yeah. looked the part but then year two he regressed so and granted atlanta's atlanta i, I get yeah. it so i you know but that's exactly what i kind of have to say about you know ed being supposed to be you know aaron donald but at the same time um you know he wasn't he wasn't utilized that way so we can put some of that on Frazier that, you know, if he's not, you know, supposed to be doing something, if he's supposed to have his, you know, a specific um, thing that he's supposed to be doing and his responsibility is X, Y, Z, and he's not supposed to be rushing in that moment, we, you know, then we have a problem. We didn't blitz a lot. So, um, you know, Aaron Donald 
was very different. He was out there to sack the quarterback. So I feel like we can't put all of that on Ed. Um, and again, I feel like the way that, you know, um, McDermott's been talking, he expects to be different and more, um, you know, more engaging all the time. And, and it'll be interesting. I hope that he goes out there and is aggressive. That's And if he is, I think Ed's going to get those sacks and, you know, I think the whole, the whole defense can, uh, can be what we want them to be, you know, faster, hungrier, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And and especially better when it matters the most, right? Because we, we saw that we've seen that they can be number one rocket defense during all season long facing all kinds of offense and things like that. But now with McDermott calling the shots, I really hope they can, game plan better to a specific offense they are facing on, especially in the playoffs, the Chiefs offense, the Bengals offense, even Miami's offense was, uh, gave us trouble last year with the third stringer quarterback. So uh, I, re- I really hope they can improve our defense, even if uh, the results in season aren't as, as pretty with the rankings number one rankings and things like that playing your rookies playing the young guys so you can count on them late in the year uh, mcdermott has been on record saying oh it's a copycat league and you you learn things from other teams i hope they they've learned it about playing their young guys their guys with potential early so you can count on them late in the season yeah. and it can be a said the opposite he said the opposite he's always talking about it takes two three four years sometimes yeah. And that makes that makes me, you know, a little nervous. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that they, you know, they put Kincaid out there. I, I'm, I said the same thing about Elam um, last year. Mm-hmm. It takes reps. They need to be on the field. They need that that experience. Um, and you could see towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, Elam got better um, yeah. when they finally, you know, went back to him. Um, so I hope that you know it's going to be a big it, spot, right, versus Hill. Yeah. Yep. So it's going to be, you know, growing pains. We're going to feel it with, you know, especially the rookies. If Dorian Williams is out there, we're going to feel growing pains. Um, but I don't, I, I hope we don't, you know, sit anyone in that. And um, because of those growing pains, They're, they need to be out there for the experience. No doubt. Sarah, thank you so much for taking your time. Your Miami Heat is playing and I don't want to... Yes. Uh, take more of your time so i really appreciate <laughs> your coming here today talking to us and and talk about line to gang uh so the, the yeah. people can watch it too so uh as of right now we're on a little bit of a break jerry um ostrowski is uh going on vacation so he's taking a couple uh a couple weeks off so we should be back around june 15th um we will be moving to wednesdays at 9 p.m i'm not quite sure if we're going to do that over the summer or if we're going to wait until august so uh right now we're on thursdays 9 p.m and it's me and jerry ostrowski who's a, a former bills player for you know for those newer people who are not old enough to remember him from back in uh, in the 90s he was so, here some uh, weeks ago he was here some weeks ago oh, okay great yeah that's right that's right i do remember watching that now yeah, yeah so uh it's me and jerry and uh check us out Absolutely. So good luck to your Miami Heat, especially to Jimmy Buckets. Thank I you. hope he can do his thing. <laughs> All right. I will root for him. So Gar Gar Foreman and John Paxson can be mad at themselves for letting him <laughs> go. And my Chicago Bulls now is struggling. But 
I hope you can have a different uh, outcome than the other night. Outcome, yes. yeah, with Jimmy than us. Okay, yeah. so I really appreciate right. you taking your time. I'm gonna finish in Portuguese. Okay, all Thank right, guys, so much, go Sarah. Bills. All right, go Bills. Bye. See ya.